0: Welcome to the redacted Recover Your Mind Podcast. During, During this, this podcast, podcast, you'll hear things that'll scare you, intrigue you, and make you doubt reality. But I assure you, none of this is made up for propaganda. This is reality draw out truth, broadcasting from a secure location in Traverse City, Michigan. This is the Redacted Recover Your Mind Podcast. Here's your host, Mitchell O'Brien. Welcome back to Redacted. I'm your host, Mitchell O'Brien. I'm here today with Lucas O'Brien. Lucas, how are you? I'm doing well. Nice to be back. So... Before we get anywhere, I wanted to apologize to people about both of us were feeling ill last week, and we decided not to publish a podcast because of that, but we are back. I am feeling better. Lucas, how are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling pretty good.
0: A lot better than last week, that's for sure. Yeah, I, was, I thought it was pretty wild that we were both not feeling good at the same time from different corners of the country, but for completely different reasons. My tummy hurt.
1: <laughs>
0: and my head hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I've been listening and looking into quite a few things recently, and something jumped out at me that I wanted to talk about that kind of, I think it kind of pertains to... Things that I've experienced, like I've talked about astral travel and the spirit realm visions that I've gotten that you and I have talked about. Mm-hmm. And so, I wanted to talk about I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. The ethereal body is what I'm going to call it, and I think that ties into the body that we're going to get after the resurrection for those of our listeners that are familiar with more of the religious, biblical side of things. And we'll explain more, or at least I will, and hopefully Lucas will have more to add to it. And then also how that ties into what I've seen, felt, and been through with my astral and my spirit vision experiences. So one of the things that really spurred this for me to think about it more deeply and want to talk about it with you, Luke, is some stuff that Timothy Alvarino was talking about. Mm-hmm. I think you've heard of him. <laughs> hey, but before we start, I,
1: I wanted to point out that I noticed in the intro today that it says, I think it's just because I can, we're upgrading our tech that we're using as we continue to do the podcast so I can hear everything better than I normally can. Yes. And I realized that it says on there that this is not made up for propaganda. And I just want to point out, I can't promise that. <laughs> <laughs> so, to
0: my best, the best of my knowledge, it's not made up for propaganda, but, you know, no promises there. Well, I'm going from personal experiences that I've had, and, you know, I'm using resources and things that I'm learning from people that are doing the same and to the best of their ability. So that's where I'm coming from.
1: Well, and everything I say, I get directly from Alex, too.
0: So <laughs> it's obviously not propaganda. Obviously not. I haven't looked into him as much, but from what you've told me. so. <laughs> um no, I think he's great, but... Because he,
1: he says things, and everyone's like, that's propaganda. He's making it up. It's ridiculous. And then six months later, it's reality. Right. He's been doing that for years. And he says ridiculous things that sound absolutely crazy. And then you're like, oh, he was right. Again, interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but
1: let's get into uh, what you're
0: talking about. Well, I know you had a little bit of an idea of something to talk about, too. But I think some of it kind of ties into where I was going. Yeah, I think it all kind of ties into the same thing. I, I've been thinking about
1: end times again and the resurrection and dreams, and it all kind of ties into, like you're saying, like the ethereal body, um, the mind, out of body experience. Like because dreams, even if you are in your body, like the reality you're living is completely in your mind. So right. it it's very similar in a way. Um, and then there's been times where I'm like, I don't know if that was a vision or I spiritually went somewhere or if it was just a dream or we say just a dream, but our dreams actually a lot more significant, you know, but there's
0: a lot. Right. What spurred on for me was what Timothy and he's famous for admitting that he believes more on less of the spiritual side than most. I would say religious beliefs or supernatural, metaphysical, something like that. I'm not using my words properly, but Mm -hmm. less of the non physical than other people. But he does believe that we are, you know, physical and spiritual beings. Like that's part of how we're made. And for that to be the case, where is the seat of the spirit or the soul or this place where? Your, your mind is, and people can see, like, well, it's your brain, and it's like, well, how exactly does that work? And if that's the case, how does demonic possession work and stuff like that? Because whatever this area of how you exist contains your consciousness, if possession is a thing, and I believe it is, mm-hmm. and I believe that you believe it is, then there's, like, the, the passenger compartment of a car. Where yes. our consciousness is at the wheel, doing its thing, driving us through life. At some point, you can get passengers. And I know that yes. scriptures support this. Yeah, you, know, you brought up the seat of the mind, and you used
1: the car analogy. And I wanted to tell everybody that, like, the top neuroscientists in the world have found that depending on whether you're left eye dominant or right eye dominant, you see which one you see out of more naturally. And if you look into there with an electron microscope, you can see a little tiny chair with a little tiny version of you sitting on it. (laughs) And
0: that's the seat of the mind. Not propaganda. That's 100% true. Uh, That's the made-up propaganda that we've mentioned in the (laughs) beginning. (laughs) I've been feeling really sarcastic the past few days, so I'm sorry to anyone listening, but you'll probably get more of that I'm going to give you a big... (laughs) so i was i was thinking about it and one of the examples that brought up was when jesus casts out the legion from the man in the new testament which is where jesus lives in the bible (laughs) but there was not just one but there was very many spirits in this man It was possessed by. So if you read the message, it says we are called lots, because there are lots of us
1: or something like that.
0: Yeah. And you've looked into more of that than I do. Some people think that there could be upwards of thousands in just this one person. So if you go by scripture as being an absolute truth, then there is somewhere in the human physiology biology, metabiology is a term that I heard recently that can house consciousnesses, consciousness, Mm -hmm. I, more than one. And would also then probably venture to say that animals are capable of this too, because those spirits that were in the man went into the pigs. I'm falling over myself because I want to sound smart, but (laughs) (laughs) What I was um, putting together was I heard Timothy Alvarino talking about it. And what he was saying is somewhere in our spiritual or physical body, there's something put together somehow where we hold in our consciousness lives. Kind of like he, he calls it like an appendage, and maybe it's a spiritual appendage, but it's connected to us somehow. And I think it's something else he was talking about when he brought up a different concept was they were talking about how the spiritual world works and how other higher dimensional beings kind of work where mm-hmm. when you have a square that's in a certain dimension, but that square can also be a cube just because you because you can't perceive the cube doesn't mean that it's not there. And so that's kind of what we're dealing with here.
1: Before we go much further, um, I think I've got a little bit of an explanation from this. Um, Something I picked up from Dan Duvall and also from Scripture and through a couple explanations from a few people, and like you can see it in the Scriptures pretty well, that for one, the spiritual appendage or the seed of the mind, that whole concept, like all jokes aside about the seed of the mind. Mm -hmm. um, We've talked about this before on the podcast that you have, body soul and spirit but the bible also talks about the heart and i'm sure there's other ancient texts that do as well but you have body soul spirit and heart well the heart seems to be a part of the soul but it's like the deep subconscious part of you that really makes up the essence of who you are mm-hmm. whereas the rest of the soul is like the conscious mind that interacts with everything around you and is always thinking right And then obviously the body is what we live in, how we interact with the world in the 3D world, the spirit is how we interact with the ethereal world and things beyond. And the soul kind of interconnects with the body and the spirit and it can connect more with one or the other, or it can connect both, but it's through the heart that we connect with both of those things, I believe that the heart is kind of the highway that we get to the body or to the spirit. And I think that helps, to me, that helps clear that up a little bit. But the um, the other thing is that in the heart, you can make kind of your own little dream world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have experienced that where you have this little place in your head where you can kind of go back to, or you have dreams that are in the same surrounding multiple times. And it's because it's actually like a realm that you've created in your mind that it, it's in the seat of your mind, it's in your heart, it's a part of you. Right. And it's believed that that realm or multiple realms potentially within your heart that you create or that are created or passed down genetically, ancestral curses, ancestral gifting, you know, whatever, that that's what demons possess. Hmm. And that that's actually the place where you also meet with the Holy Spirit or with the Messiah, is in that place, one of those places, that so you can actually go sit with Jesus in your heart realm, one of your heart realms. And something that points to this in Scripture is that the best example that I've seen, there's other ones, I believe, but death and 80s are mentioned in the scriptures, or death and hell, as in the translation. Well, death. Is a thing that happens to everyone and everything. Everything dies. Mm. In the 3D world, everything lives and dies. It has a cycle. Even the world itself lives and dies. Even the mountains live and die. Even the like even things that aren't alive come into existence and are destroyed yeah. at some point. So it's like this constant cycle. Death is a thing that happens. It's unlife. You're no longer alive. You're now dead. You have been dead. And death is also referred to in scripture in multiple places as a being. Conscious being that does things consciously. That could be metaphor, or it could be that it's a being and a thing that happens. Hades or hell or Sheol, depending on how it's translated. I I think hell and Sheol might be slightly different
0: concepts, but it all depends on how that's translated, how you see it. I've also heard that Tartarus and where the um, angels, fallen angels are held, is more of what people think of what we consider hell that holding place is described more like.
1: Yes, I've heard that. Um, And I've also heard that the understanding of Sheol is that there's two sides of Sheol. One that's for peace and rest for the righteous and one that's for torment. Because you know you're coming judgment. right. And that that might be Tartarus, or that Tartarus might be a part of that. and actually that the place of peace may have been released at the resurre- resurrection of Christ, that they actually are seated with him in heavenly places, like it says in the New Testament now, that those have risen in the spirit with them. Just now awaiting new bodies, but into the heavenly places with him. And they call that—I like, don't know—Abraham's bosom. Yeah, it, it would be that part. Hmm. But I, I don't know. I'm—I'm I'm no expert on that. I've just heard those concepts. Yeah, you know, throwing it out there. But so the whole thing with Hades or Hell is that in Revelation, specifically in Revelation, death and Hades, I think, are two riders and the horses of the apocalypse. Right. They're referred to as beings with consciousness that go out to do things. They're also referred to that in other places, in the prophets, I believe. And they're also referred to, especially hell, as a realm where people go to for torment and also these fallen angels and demons and things like that. It's not a place that Satan controls and he's got a pitchfork and he pokes you with it. It's it's not that. (laughs) Um, it's, It's really much darker than that. But it was a place, I think, mainly for the enemies of God to be held in punishment for the wrong that they've done. It wasn't created for humans. Humans have ended up there by transgression and iniquity, but it it wasn't created for humans initially.
0: Well, it's because we become enemies of God through that. We have to find salvation, and that brings you back to becoming a, a son of God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. which I, I know is probably what you're wanting to get into. But I just want to drive that point real quick that I was trying to make that I'm rambling on about. That <laughs> Hell is considered a realm and a sentient being. And if death and hell can be realms and sentient beings, then human beings can also be realms and sentient beings. Right. So we can be a sentient being in our three-dimensional flesh, and also be a spiritual realm with inside of us that can be inhabited by malevolent or benevolent spirits.
0: Well, and that goes back to I know I mentioned it a podcast or two ago where scientists have found that the way that our brain waves work basically, your own universe inside of your head and your head, yeah. mind, whatever. I didn't read the entire article, it looked like a sketchy website. So. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, if if that's a thing that people are thinking, like, it's, you know, it's on there. Like, they're getting pointed towards the right direction. But Well, and you can see it in our culture that all around us, there are
1: people creating their own reality in their head. And I I don't want to sound hateful towards people or not, because I'm not hateful towards people. But there's a lot of people that make up a reality in their head. And they go, this is the truth. And it's like, no. Right. That's not. Because there's still a physical reality. You can have the reality in your head, but there's still a physical. And you though I think the human mind can come up with a concept and manifest that concept into creation through hard work, determination, time and effort. Mm -hmm. Blood, sweat and tears. I don't think there's really proof that you can just sit on your couch and manifest being rich and then all of a
0: sudden be a millionaire. Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> like you can't just think it into place. You know, is it part of the process? Yeah, but, I mean, it goes back into, the, like, faith of the throughout works is dead and, and, and all of that, but believing in yourself yeah. is a big part of it, I guess. Yeah. So where I wanted to go with it more is the experiences that I've had. And you might have actually changed my perspective a, a little bit with some of the things that you just said. The big thing is I believe I've been in the astral, which I'm having a tough time with these guys that are saying that it's, it's strictly forbidden to go there or strictly forbidden to be there. I think yeah. I somewhat agree with that because of my experience and I'll dig deeper into it. But also then I've had the, what I, I've only been calling the spiritual realm, which is different in my head than the astral realm. And originally I was thinking that maybe it was the kingdom of heaven. But at the same time, like what you just said, it could be this world that my internal realm, because that's where I go when I've met with and spoken with Yahusha. And my most recent one, which would be the one with Yahusha and Michael in the Spirit of Lust, which I can't remember if I shared that on the podcast or not, so if I just shared it with you or actually shared it on the podcast, someone will have to refresh, and if they want to hear that story, I'll tell it. Yeah, I don't think you shared that on the podcast, I think you just shared it. But I'm sure I'll talk about it again, because I talk about these things, that's why I have a podcast. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, when I'm doing the astral thing and I'm in this spiritual realm, it's very different. These places are very, very different. And that's why I've noticed them being two different places. And the crazy thing about the astral, what I'm calling the astral, what I think is astral, and I haven't gotten to talk a lot of people who also have experienced it there and you and I may be getting the opportunity soon, but mm-hmm. it was more of a mirror of the world that we live in. Like an opposite, yeah. like, a, like a negative to a photograph, almost. Well, you, you kind of described it as like a, a energetic representation
1: of the life force of all things around you, but without like the
0: man-made structures.
1: Right. Which I found interesting.
0: And it was kind of... Interesting, because I think I've mentioned this too, is typically that's the way it was. It was like there were trees, an earth, a rock, stuff like that, but none of the man-made structures. But there were other times where those were there too, but it was like a faint mm. imprint of it. And so I kind of interpreted it as the the frequency I was in, what would show itself and what, what wouldn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I am going to go out and say that the first time I experienced this realm and I've talked about it in the podcast way before if I haven't with you way way before mm-hmm. but the first time I ever experienced this realm I believe that it was Father Yahweh Father God who pulled me out of my body and took me there it was the only time I didn't do it myself and it was the easiest most free movement that I've ever had in that it was effortless. I didn't remove Mm -hmm. myself from my body. I felt like it was whooped out and sat there. I got instructions on what to and not do. And then, which was basically just stay, stay nearby, heal under the full moon. I didn't even realize it was a full moon until the next day when I was like, that was wild. And it was, I listened, I stayed close by and I was there until it was time to go back. And I went back. Every time. It's so very similar to something Paul describes in Scripture, by the way, where he says he was taken up into
1: the heavenly places, and he, he doesn't know if he was in the body or out of the body. He says, I can't say. Because I'm, he wasn't sure whether he was in or out, but then he explains the experience, and it's like, he says something like he went to the third heaven or something, and he, he's like, I might have been out of my body, but I'm not sure, and I, you know,
0: I kind of, well, and I would describe that as the spirit realm stuff that I've I've experienced. That's different than the astral. That's what I would say. If I was to take okay. what you just described and put it to my experience and my memories of these things, the spirit realm stuff. And it's interesting to me because the spirit realm stuff, that's not accessible during... Other than just thoughts and like my own creative process in my head, which maybe that's what I'm accessing when I'm doing that. Who knows? You know, people say it's just your imagination or whatever. Daydreaming. The times where I'm there and it feels most real, it happens while I am asleep. Now, the astral happens in what I've explained as that in-between heavy meditative state where it's easiest for me to access if I'm laying down like on my way to sleep, and then I try to go there. And that almost asleep point is where I can walk through that door easier. I say okay. walk through that door, it's not really walking through the door. It's more like climbing out of my body like it's a sleeping bag. It's more what it's actually like? Every single time I've ever went there, except for the first time, it's taken a lot of effort. And once I get there, Moving around, I've had to learn how to do it and teach myself, and it's like we're learning how to walk and move and just turning around for the first time. I had to figure out how to do that and then trans, you know, transporting myself around that area, and it was very, very difficult. Looked, reacted, everything almost exactly the same as that first time I feel like Father Yahweh did it for me. There's just so much more effort involved, getting there and just being there. The time he put me there, it was an effortless slip out of my body, my physical body, being placed there, and I was able to move around and just effortlessly, like there was purpose to it. So I thought that was very interesting. The time that I've shared where I feel like Michael saved me from the dark attachment and snapped me back into my body. We talked about that on the gratitude episode, I think. Yeah. That time was probably one of the times where I was moving around the most effortlessly on my own, but I'd been trying for a while to, like, build up a stamina in that state. And I still don't feel like – I'm trying to go back there and, in, in my memories, not go back there astrally because I've been hearing a lot about how prohibited it is, and I'm, I'm struggling with the fact on if it's strictly prohibited or not because of my own personal experience there. Part of me yeah. wants to say – I agree with that, and it is prohibited, because the only time that I was ever there where it felt like I was really supposed to be was when he put me there. All the other times it just felt like I wasn't naturally there, and I wasn't supposed to be there. Not like there was an energy of, you need to leave, but it just wasn't the same as the first time. Yeah. It's like I was taken there and given permission to be there, and there were no restrictions. I'm trying to remember back to... My interaction with Michael before he snapped me back into my body, which wasn't until the attack happened and he was telling me that I need to be careful and that I wasn't supposed to go this way. And I take it more of the direction I was going in that world, like the physical direction, like you shouldn't be going north and you should be going that way instead type of a situation or you should be staying back there like you shouldn't be coming mm-hmm. coming over to this part of this world. And I'm like, did I misinterpret that? Was he telling me I shouldn't be there? And if that's the case, why didn't he tell me the last 7 times that I took myself there? Well, one one of the things, and I don't know, I'm just going to throw this out there that
1: I I've heard I that's not heard so much as read about experiences of people that have traveled to the astral realm. Depending on their background, they interact with different types of beings. Many of the people that have come out of Christianity and have a vague faith from Christianity interact with angels by angelic names that are generally recognizable, not always recognizable, but sometimes they're kind of abstract names that you can find in extra texts or whatever. But like they're they're not unknown angel names; so you can find them. Right. Um, oftentimes, it's archangels. Mm-hmm. And everything goes well because the archangel guides you. They give you ex- these cool experiences. They protect you. They, they make sure you don't go too far. They, make, they show you that they're your friend, that you're not going to get hurt. You can trust me. But then if you go against the archangel or angel of any kind, it becomes very, very dark. And things change. And it, it shows its true form and it tends to be demonic in nature. But it presents itself It's like scripture says that Satan presents himself as an angel of light. And I'm not saying necessarily that's what you experienced, but it's possible that you were being guided and he was saying like, Mitchell, I'm your buddy. I'm going to protect you from this darkness. You can trust me to try to guide you out in further things. Or it could have been Michael protecting
0: you because you were doing something. You were going a direction you weren't supposed to. And I mean, it was legitimately Michael. Like, I don't know. So here's my take on it, and I see what you're getting at, and it's like you've got a little bit on both directions. What I get from it is that was Michael. And from everything, it's even the dream vision that I had where I thought I was in the kingdom of heaven that might be my own realm or whatever, heart realm. I'm going to call it heart realm from now on. Even that, it was (sighs) Michael is, those are the only two times I've ever seen him. He had more form the second time. What we would consider more human form. But he still had the same bright, bright, white, blue tint glow. Not even glow, shine. Like sunbeams coming from him, but not yellow. Like blue. And everything I read about Michael is he's associated with this blue. Now, could that be deception? Yes, it could be. But to remind you of... Other things that have happened in my spiritual walk, Michael is the one that I thought was communicating with me in, like, the prayer understanding side of it, like how you don't hear voices in your head when you get answers to prayer that way and hear God's voice and stuff, but you get this energetic understanding in your thoughts. Yeah. And Michael was the first one to make himself known, and he's who led me to the Father. He's the one that kept saying, like, hey, you need to reconnect or you know, would guide me through what I'm doing and then push you know, push me towards the father. So in that one where I finally saw him for the first time where I was going where I shouldn't go, that's the one where when the dark attachment attacked, he immediately snapped me back into my body, protecting me from that. And then I never, ever, ever felt, experienced, saw, or and I and I was seeing this in the in feeling it In my my spiritual walk and in the physical, it was much more looming and probably in the physical, but I was experiencing it in both. And then after that, completely gone. And that's what kind of baffles me a little bit. And one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about is because I hear a lot of this stuff about astral travel and these people following new age and getting into groups and having actually people that they're following teaching them this stuff. That's not my experience. I didn't get taught any of the ways that I was astral traveling. I would pick up little tips here or there from research that I did, but then I would always do it on my own, and it was always just a little bit different. And there's actually Mm -hmm. things that I've read about trying to get into the astral world that just straight up don't work. I've tried. does not work. When I do it the way that I've kind of figured it out, that I kind of figured out trying to follow the path of how Father Yawa pulled me out of my body that one time, that's how it works for me, is following that path. But I have to crawl my way out that way, and it takes a lot of effort. Now, that's what kind of... Leads me to the next thing is when I was in my heart realm or the spirit realm. Michael was there again and he had more of a human form. He was that same light. He was that same, just comforting, safe presence, that calm, comforting, safe presence. The thing about it, when I saw him the first time, I recognized his voice. That's who I was talking to in my prayer thoughts, who Inspired me, not inspired me, convinced me, compelled me, I don't know, to reconnect on a deeper level with the Father. Or, Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to decipher if it's always been Yahusha, or if it was Father, you know, Yahusha's Father, the air quotes God. I mean, he says in Scripture that it was
1: He came to guide us to the Father, that He is the way to the Father. He is the only door. No one gets to the Father except through Him. That So, like, interaction with Him is important. But He also came for us to have a relationship with the Father. And I feel like the church sometimes overemphasizes Jesus. Yeah,
0: that's a real... He
1: always... Yeah. And so it becomes just Jesus' worship with no emphasis on the Father, which, like, Jesus is worthy of our praise. Yahushua, by far. But he came to glorify the Father, that the Father may have glory through him. He came that we may have a relationship with the Father. And so I think when we focus just on Christ, for one, it's a deception, because you're missing out on the depth of the relationship you're supposed to have with the Father. But also there's a false Christ that's been represented in the church and that's represented in the New Age movement and represented in a lot of other spiritual movements that's not the true
0: Messiah of Scripture. And that's what I was told when I went to the church and said, hey, I think I've been talking with Michael. And they brought up the Greek church that worships Michael as a god. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. He's not asking for worship. He's not even saying, like, hey, I'm this awesome guy, Michael. Like, he didn't even say who it was until I asked. And I'm like, are you? You know, basically, is, is this Michael? And I was like, hey, yeah, glad you finally noticed type of a situation. <laughs> or, you know? Sure. But it was very casual, and it's always been very kind. It's always been. And I've, I've, I've thanked him in that prayer, thought, energetic, understanding conversation for bringing me back to the Father. And it's just a heartwarming, you're welcome. And that's Mm -hmm. the same guy that was there that protected me in the astral that one time. That's the same guy that was standing to my left when Yahushua was standing to my right, and they both helped guide me with my confrontation of the spirit of lust in my most recent vision, which was spirit realm, heart realm, one of the two. So my experience with what people are, are, are talking about, the astral and all of these spirit guides that are that way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, I mean, and I've even went into the, the, the prayer. Cause I know somebody will ask when we talk to certain people are going to ask, well, have you tested the spirits? And I would say yes, because I have been, Like, am I even, are you, Yausha, are you, is this this even the Father? Is this, am I really talking to Michael, or am I being deceived? And I think you've told me before that you've had a situation where when you asked that, they stopped talking to you. Well, they didn't stop talking to me. I asked if they were, if they were servants of the
1: Almighty God, the Creator. And if they were of Jesus or something along those lines, like if they were of his authority and I heard no, as clear as day. And so I stopped doing everything I was doing. So I was getting really into sacred geometry. Right. I was being shown the path to four dimensional and five dimensional understanding. And I, like I actually think I was, and it was really strange because it was leading me to drink a lot while i was drawing these shapes and these things based on these formulas that i had learned and it was well beyond the flower of life and the genesis pattern and that kind of stuff i'm pretty well versed in a lot of that i've got a notebook full of a lot of things and there's a lot to learn in that just about mathematics and the way that the structure of our three-dimensional world but then there's the whole like spiritual side behind it that's the Twisted spirituality, and it was it was kind of guiding me off the rails. And I tested it
0: straight up and asked it if Jesus was Lord, and it said no. So that and I was like, okay, (laughs) 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 that interests me for two reasons. One, because I know somebody very, very recently, and I won't go into any details because legally I can't. But had a very, very, and you've told me that before. But it just made me reminded me of this. Who started to be shown these shapes and started to draw them out, these shapes and patterns and stuff like that. And I'm in the business of recovery and substance use disorder. It was uh, somebody in that area of my life, and it drove them to relapse because it was getting yeah. to be too much. But oh, it'll
1: overwhelm you like crazy because you're. You're shown things that your mind can't even understand. Right. And I mean I, I was legitimately being shown things that my mind couldn't understand. They were I was given formulas for five dimensional shape that had all of I, I truly believe in this one drawing I have and might have all of the lines needed to understand five dimensional reality, the basic structures of it. But when you look at it with your eyes, it'll drive you nuts. Just trying to decipher any of it. Cause there's so many intersecting lines. It's like, you can't, you can't figure anything out. Right. And so I'm sitting here trying to interact with this being that's leading me along the sound. you realizing it was a being until I tested it. Yeah. I mean, it was, that was a crazy experience. That was when I was like, okay, I need to put this down. Cause before that I was learning the fundamentals of physics and geometry based on the shapes and everything that I was seeing and it was and I wasn't seeing him. I was purposely trying to learn this online. Right. Um, I don't remember the exact name. I think it was spirit science. It's really interesting. I just read a book that was suggested to me, and he brings up the one author of the book that was actually a part of the page that I, I learned all this from, and he completely renounced everything that has to do with it. But like sacred geometry from the basic understanding of it is how our creation works, like how the creation of the father is fundamentally made, but then they take it to a level. And, and that's how, that's how Satan does everything. He takes truth and then twists it just enough to get control over you. But it's fundamentally true at the base of it. And that's how he does it. Because if he just came to you with a blatant lie, you'd be like, that's a lie. I don't trust him. Right. So it comes with you with like a, a 90% truth. And then it's it a little
0: yeah and we've talked about that before that's where i i've gotten off on tangents about how it'll be a, a certain concept and it'll just be tweaked just that little bit to where it's off yes. and it's not true but it's so close i think a lot of new age and we'll go into that more in the future but a lot of new age is very close to that there's a lot about yes. new age that's very close to true there's a lot that's not but there's a lot of New Age that is is very close to truth and how things work. Go to touch on the sacred geometry part of it. I was, and it was through a New Age network, but that's how they premised that the original creation started was yeah. you had a singularity point, and that's your dimension one, and then the line to dimension two is how it went, and it just started to go from there. So then there was another point, and that's the dimension three, and then another point, and that's dimension four. And it goes through and it shows all of the geometry and how it connects when it does that, and it's amazing. And it actually very well aligns with the seven days of creation. It also aligns
1: with the seven moadim, or the seven beasts of Mm -hmm. Yahweh in the Old Testament, the seven branches of the lampstand, the menorah, the, there's a lot of sevens throughout scripture that it actually, that concept from sacred geometry aligns very, very well with. And as I was learning about it, I actually, be careful to say this, because this is heresy in a lot of the church, but yeah. I think that there's a point in scripture that it talks about Yahusha or Jesus being brought forth from Yahweh. Not created in the same sense that we're creating, but that there is a point In eternity. And this is why you have the father-son idea. It was before any other beings were created that the father brought forth the son from himself. And he is essentially everything that the father is, but he's not the father. He is a a different form of him that can interact with all of creation. And we've talked about a lot of that before. But I think it's it's written in Genesis when it says, let there be light. He, He brought forth light. Not that it happened on that first day of creation, but it happened way before that because it it ties into First John and also John one and other places in Scripture. And it it was actually through that sacred geometry understanding. And if I'm completely wrong on that, I'm willing to throw it away. But like it, it was an interesting thing where I got a glimpse of the Scripture where I think I I saw something that may have been missed before. Okay. I, I don't know, um, and that it was that. At the beginning of time, the Father brought forth the Son.
0: And then it says that all things were created through the Son. Well, and Timothy Alvarino so, likes to talk about how Jesus is the singularity. And I think that's mm-hmm. really close. But what if the Father is the singularity? And then that point in the Big Bang, because that's how he kind of premises it, is Jesus is the singularity. And the Big Bang is when the creation was, was created. Yeah, give me a second. got to open my Bible now. (laughs) But I'm kind of wondering, is that singularity of the only thing that ever was, was God. And then when he brought forth the light, that's when the singularity started to expand. And then that was the next thing. And then they created from there, built from there, is kind of where I'm getting from. What does it look like? I have no idea. My brain's just starting to wrap around it. it. It looks like this. I've got it right here for you.
1: John 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, or the Logos. we talked about this before. And the Word was with Elohim, or God. And the Word was Elohim. And He was in the beginning with Elohim. All came to be through Him. And without Him, not even one came to be that came through. So all things were created through Him. And I've, I've got an ASB here that I could read to different versions say that like all that was created was created through him and not anything was created apart from him or something like that. So you have him being brought forth as the firstborn of creation, as it says in the scripture. Mm-hmm. And then everything else was made through him. So you have the father being the power behind all creation, the son being the means with all creation that came into being through that power. It's like the channel it through him. It's like light through a prism right actually that's a new wow that one just hit me like he is the prism that the light the pure light hit and refracted into seven different colors and became the entire creation
0: so he's Um, pink floyd (laughs) (laughs) no he's the seven colored rainbow not the six colored one you see all over our world right exactly well that's just going to throw Thanks me into boy. a tangent being a prism is it's going to throw me into a tangent of this, the internal structures of crystals and how they're not actually witchcraft but I'm not going to go there today I'm going to take the high <laughs> road
1: I, I might throw you into your reincarnation tangent because that's the thing I want to talk about I don't want to get us there until we talk more about what we're talking about now or go back
0: to kind of the ethereal that we were in that's another thing about Jesus at the prism and, and the creation and we went down that road. But to kind of tie up the the loose ends on where I was thinking about ethereal bodies and the spirit, spiritual body. Because I said all of the things that I have in this podcast basically to say that when I am in those realms, I am me. And I recognize myself as being me. But I am not the me that I am talking to you as right now I am not this overweight white guy it's it's completely different and my premise on that is am I seeing my post resurrection form am I just seeing my spirit form I don't know I can tell you that in the astral plane I surmise I've been to and then the spirit heart realm that I'm surmising I've been to I'm a little bit different but it could just be a reflection of the realm I'm in too same shape different color situation astral realm's just darker like I said it's more like a a negative to a like a, a photograph the spirit realm I would say is brighter and more like what we see on a nice sunny day Here on Earth. That's why I know it's not the same thing. Because when I go into the astral, it's always exactly the same. When I go into this other one, or I'm taken there, or however it works, a bright sunny day. Now there's Mm -hmm. darknesses and there's other things that just don't seem to be affected by a celestial sun. Like the 3D existence we're living in is... That's what I was trying to, to ponder is, is that what I'm seeing? Is that, am I seeing what I'm going to be? Because I also have this feeling that it's literally just my spirit body, which I think we're going to be more than that after we get our resurrection bodies and are our, our brought back to the state of, of Adam and what we were meant to be. We're going to have a 3D higher dimensional body where it's going to be in this, there's going to be a physical form and then more than what we already have. After I learn how to do some things in the spiritual, I get to hold on to those skills here in the awake world, I'll call it. And what I mean is the two that jump out at me the most are when I was having issues with intrusive thoughts, and I had my dream vision where there were I believe it was the lion of Judah, so possibly even the Father or Yahusha there in lion form. and then I think it was the seven spirits of God were with him because there were multiple people with them that I wasn't introduced to, and I didn't pay attention to them because why when you have Either the creator of the universe or his son standing in front of you. Why well, pay attention to anybody else? Yeah. But Tommy, me he hey, Tom. taught me. Yeah. He taught me how to deal with intrusive thoughts a better way. And when I tried that back here in the like waking world, it worked. And then when I was with Yahusha and Michael, in the same heart spirit realm, and. They told me how to shine my light. I'll get where I feel like the only way I can really define it is a a spiritual or an energetic pressure. And it's almost like you have to, and not everybody's going to understand this reference, but you will, Dragon Ball Z explosive wave. (laughs) But it all starts in what a lot of people would um, describe as the crown chakra. It all starts right there. And it's like it it disperses out and this, like, light burst, solar flare, out. And then that pressure is gone and down. And I think that it has something to do with maybe my self-consciousness or just self inhibitions holding myself back and it's part of my healing to break those down something like that mm-hmm. and then i have to shine that light and i'm supposed to be shining that light and we have way more of that light inside of us than we ever knew or thought and it wasn't until i was shown how and what it was that i even realized that it was there and now I can utilize it. I guess I'm going to end my rant there because I feel like I'm just kind of rambling and just getting thoughts out now. But mm-hmm. that's what I was pondering is, are those our post-resurrection bodies? I don't know. Now that you and I have talked about it, you've kind of got let me ramble enough to kind of sort my thoughts a little better. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite part about this being a journey podcast is we can get in here and just talk our thoughts out. Hopefully somebody yeah, learn as we go. Yeah. Learn as we go. And hopefully somebody picks up a cool thought process along the way. I feel like my astral experience hasn't been this huge negative thing because I've been guided by the good guys kind of where I was going at the one point. And yeah. there were times where I tried to go there not guided by the good guys. But I never got picked up by one of the bad guys, is the easiest way for me to say it. So I'm still, the, yeah. jury, the the jury's out on where I believe. I know that I haven't went there ever since I started, or trying to, ever since I started believing that, or hearing that it's strictly prohibited. I need to know more about it before I start doing that, because I don't, wanna, I don't want to purposely transgress into places I'm not supposed to be. But I've never gotten this feeling of you can't be in this world just that one yeah. time where I was like you shouldn't be over in this part you know so we'll go from there when you told me you were over by the uh the motorcycle club when that happened so more on the other know. side of the golf course but yeah <laughs> activity maybe I mean that was <laughs> like I was uh, over so in the state lane I, where I, I shot my gun for the first time.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, over there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> not the same. Where, where you took me to shoot the gun?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Northern Michigan where you're allowed to shoot guns, unlike Southern Michigan. Yeah, especially on um, state lane you can just shoot anything out there. It doesn't matter, except for other people <laughs> or in animals that are yeah. out of season. Animals? <laughs> well, even then, as long as no one knows about it, I don't think people care. Um, well, I think people care, but if they don't know <laughs> about it, they don't have the opportunity
1: to care. <laughs> well, yeah, Northern Michigan. Anyway, I, I'm i going to go to my 90s, early 2000s nerd days on a couple of things here, just because things you said. But one, you're talking about a solar flare and not an explosive wave, first of all, because Solar flares come from the forehead, and explosive waves come from the core, and it's totally different. I thought about that after um, I said it, because it does, it comes,
0: <laughs> it, it was It was something that generated from, like, the crown area, even when I was in the spirit realm. So then I said, okay. you know, explosive wave, and then it's like like a solar flare, and I was like, oh, shoot, no, it was more like solar flare. But. Well,
1: and <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, we're talking really dirty things about Dragon Ball Z. Um, <laughs> really dirty things. Yeah. The explosive wave in it is interesting because it's a wave of energy that comes from the core of their being. And scientifically they've proven that the heart of humans projects a electromagnetic field around you anywhere from three to 10 feet, averaging at six feet, almost like when a certain cough came through and we were supposed to stand at least six feet apart. It was so we didn't connect with people around us because we didn't feel each other's electromagnetic frequencies. Which is a more of a subconscious thing, but... Well, it's more of um, an aura. Well, it, it's what they talk about with the aura and everything. It's literally your electromagnetic waves produced by your heart. And it's like a force field around you at all times. As long as your heart is beating, it is there. And it's almost like the explosive wave
0: concept, except for you're not blowing things up <laughs> with it, you know? This is for a different podcast, but I've had times where that's charged up higher and it does feel more like, and I hate to keep going back to it, but this is a generation we're from those times where your Dragon Ball Z, they're fighting and all they power up and they've got that aura around them where it literally feels like energy pulsing off of you. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's just the heart. I think the heart is the center, but it's all of the energetic centers in your body are connected. Well and yeah I, I agree with that, but the heart is also the center of all of that right
1: and the heart is the, the connecting point, and that's where the understanding of the menorah and scripture is important because the center staff is the middle it is the fourth from either direction and it is the connecting point in the center of all things it's the feast of where the spirit was given or Pentecost as as many know it if you're looking at it from a chakra system, it's the heart right it's the center it's the core it's the and, and science has found that this is where that energy you know system comes from and i think it's that the chakra system can be used for wrong things but it's also a basic understanding of like the energy center of man and how we're created and how we it's seven chakras because of the seven colors of light that come through a prism because of the seven spirits of yah because of the seven feasts because of the seven days because i like it, it's how we were created. It all comes through the heart. It comes through that, that being centered is that, you know, concept of living out of the heart. The Bible says that the heart is the above all things that no one can know it. It says that the heart of man is wicked, but it also says in Ezekiel that he would take out our heart of stone and give us the heart of flesh and that he would take his spirit and put his spirit in us right. and that we would, his law would be written on our heart that we would live in. And so, living from your heart when properly aligned with spirit is living in perfect unity. Now, that doesn't give you license to go do whatever you want. There's written law that tells you what that's supposed to look like. And if your conscious doesn't look like that, you're not doing it right. But anyway, that's, that's my rant on that. And so, I think you're saying, <laughs> saying the, uh, the energy systems, so, like I agree with that, but it also all comes from the center. But I had one other nerdy thing to talk. About.
0: Yes, go ahead.
1: Have you ever played
0: Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess? No, I was the Ocarina of Time strictly. That's what I thought. The <laughs> um, King Brothers. I, I
1: thought you had never played that one. So, for those who don't know, Twilight Princess was like the next. Thank you. Was the next big one after that? There was like they started doing the Tune Link stuff, and it, it wasn't quite the same. Those are good games too, but anyway, I don't really play video games anymore. But I played like all of those, yeah, multiple times growing up. Twilight <laughs> Princess is really interesting. It's super super dark <laughs> compared to a lot of Zelda games. They all have undertones of it, but Twilight Princess had a whole shadow realm, and it was literally it was called the Twilight. And there's this whole race of beings called the Twilight who lived there because they were banished there because of the things that they had done in the Light Realm, the Normal Realm. Sounds familiar. <laughs> interesting, right? So they're banished to the Twilight and the Twilight, Link gets hit with a shard of this Twilight like artifact thing and then he ends up in the Twilight Realm and then this Pretty much demon human thing. Who's the queen? You will find out later. She's the queen of the twilight. Spoilers. Been out for twenty years. Sorry. Um, (laughs) If it upset you, it's been out long enough. You could know. Um, Closer to thirty, probably. But anyway. Yeah, we're probably getting closer to thirty (laughs) because I think it was early two thousand. So gosh, we're getting old. (laughs) I know. Anyway. She helps him back into the normal realm. When he's in the spirit realm, he's a wolf. The twilight realm. I, I call it the spirit realm because humans or Hyrulean in the realm, the normal realm, are spirits in the twilight. Oh. Just interesting. Throwing throw all this out there is theoretical. Because I think media has a lot more to tell us about the spirit realm than they understand. Because I think it's inspired by good or bad, but it's inspired by something that knows things. The twilight is this realm that he can use portals to get back and forth through throughout the game. Huh. And it's an ex- almost exact replica of the normal realm, but in perpetual twilight. Huh. It's not night, but it's almost like a negative of the regular human realm. Exactly how you describe the ethereal realm. So you're, you're talking. Well, and that's like interesting too, because
0: to flip that around a little bit. These beings that, and it's the negative attachment one I'll throw out there because it's the one that I've experienced in both for sure, is mm-hmm. in that realm, horrifying, dark, clawed-toothed, massive muscled beast, not even necessarily humanoid, more yeah. animal-like. In the waking world, very much like what people would consider a shadow person a fleeting shadow person that i would see sometimes it was just always kind of prowling behavior but still this humanoid dark figure and not even really an intimidating one and so it was like this just very just not even close reflection and much less powerful and it, it really is, it's reminiscent of what they talk about how the Nephilim spirits are mm-hmm. is where I connect the dots to. But Yeah. I just
1: thought I'd throw all of that out there because as you were talking about it, I'm like, this sounds like the twilight and twilight princess. You're describing almost exactly the same thing. And it was literally a realm created to banish this race to, well, I don't know if it was created for it. It might've been there. Then it like banishes and in Twilight Princess, like they're not evil and there's this whole you know, whatever. There's this whole redemption cycle for them, even though they do some really evil things and the princess is like scary at the end. Right. You also save her and all of her people, but it's like she's kinda horrifying. Anyone that's played the game knows. Uh, it's it's some freaky stuff and there's a lot of crazy dark beasts and it's the same kind of thing where they have a humanoid form in the regular realm and then in the twilight realm they can take like there are different ones with these more grotesque animal like forms and stuff like that whatever it
0: goes back Um, to what I was saying about the media actually pulling through truth And that's why I really wanted to get Matt Miller from Logos Made Flesh on here, because he talks about a lot of this, and he'd have a really Mm -hmm. good perspective. But it also reflects what uh, a lot of people, Timothy Alberino being one of them, talks about Tolkien and uh, C.S. Lewis, how their stories are so reflective of what actual human history really looks like.
1: Yeah. And it, after reading Tolkien's book, I, I really feel that he didn't make it up. Right. Like it was channeled history. Or, and it might be historical fiction, but it's based on actual history. It is what
0: it, like, I don't know how anyone can read and really dive into it without, without thinking that. Right. So without beating a dead horse even further, that talk kind of pulled some things together for me. We had some cool stuff we can put out on the, the airwaves here and give us a little bit of fuel on stuff to touch on in the future. I've taken notes. <laughs> but I think we're going to wrap it up for this one, guys. We're going to get our rest. I'm going to get this published. And Lucas and I are going to collaborate and come at you again in another week. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. And... I don't think we've talked about ducks enough lately. So I wanted to touch <laughs> on that for a brief moment at the end, but I'm not going to rant on ducks. Some people are going to uh, be sad we didn't, and some people are going to be glad we did. I know. I, you
1: know, some people have seen the truth and others just haven't.
0: And I've, I've come to terms with that. So you'll have to determine which ones are which on your own. All right. Well, I think we're going to sign off. So I'm going to say, see you next time. see you next time thanks for listening to the redacted recover your mind podcast for more episodes click the link in the description